There's an old adage that says people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is an adage for a reason because there's a lot of truth to that. I can remember growing up how my parents would continually give me rules and and so often I thought they were to prevent me from having fun and then I started to realize that they were probably more so to prevent me from hurting myself. Things like don't put the fork in in the electrical outlet. Well, I found out real quick that that can send a jolt through you. Don't pull on the pot that's on top of the stove. It's got water in it and it will burn you. Well, after not listening to that one long enough, I burned myself. And one story that really stands out is, is I can remember when cars used to have the push-button cigarette lighters in them. After a while, many people just kind of took the button out and they became the place for them to charge their cell phones and such. But at this moment, my mother still drove a car that had the push-button cigarette lighter in it. And I remember I'd always push the button. And what would happen is it would heat up the coil on the inside. And when it got hot enough, the button would release. And then you could pull it out and use it to light a cigarette. Well, I remember playing with that button, and my mom always told me, don't play with that, you'll burn yourself. Don't play with that. Don't play with that. And then one day she stopped by the church to get something, and I remember as soon as she went inside, I pushed the button. The button released, and I pulled it out, and I realized, ooh, it's nice and shiny and red on the inside. And so what did I do? I reached in and I touched the red hot coil only to burn myself. And I started to realize that there may be a little bit more to these rules than just to prevent me from having fun. It may be rooted in my mother's and my father's love for me. And if that's the case, I started to care how much they knew because I knew how much they cared about me. And today we're going to look at a section of scripture that is by many people known as the love chapter, but it is 1 Corinthians 13, and it says this, it says, If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels, but do not have love, I am but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic power and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no records of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became an adult, I put away the childish ways. For now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain. These three. And the greatest of these is love. You see, this is written to the church in Corinth, and the, the Corinthians found themselves pursuing these things that didn't ultimately matter. They found themselves pursuing the ability to speak in tongues, pursuing the ability to be prophetic and to understand all mysteries, to have all knowledge, to have this faith that could move mountains to do all of the right things. And there's nothing wrong with doing these things or with having these abilities. But as we hear in our text, if the process, if in the process of developing these things, rather, we forget about loving, then it's worthless. Because without love, we miss the point. It doesn't matter what we can do if it's not rooted in love. And the same is true in our modern day. It does not matter what budgets, buildings, or missional strategies we have if it's not rooted in love. We must not forget that the church, above all else, is called to be a community, a people of love. Chapter 12 and chapter 14 discuss various gifts of the Spirit given to the church. And that may make you wonder, well, is 13 just some interruption in the list, in the litany? But I've come to realize and believe that it is in fact the key to how we use those gifts given by the Spirit. At the end of chapter 12, it says, Strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Love is the way to wholeness. Love is the way to community. Love is the way to hope. Love is the way to joy. Love is the way to peace. Love is the way of Christ. Love is the key that shapes all that we as the body of Christ are called to be and become. As we find ourselves freed from the ways of the world. Freed from competition against one another. Because in love, we find ourselves seeking the betterment for all people. So we are freed from the competition game. Freed from the judgment game. Freed from the things of this world. And don't we all desire that? 
But the question still remains, what is love? In our text, we hear a a litany of things that love is. Love does a lot. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It's not, it does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In verses 4 through 8a, through the beginning of verse 8, love is the subject of 16 times in a row. But this traditional translation that we've kind of found ourselves reading of love is patient, love is kind, etc. is not the totality of what it is called to be. Because a better translation of the scripture would say love shows patience. Love acts with kindness. And so on. Love is paired with action verbs. Love is doing these actions. Not simply being these things, but love is a busy word. It is an active thing and it never ceases to work. It's always finding ways to express itself for the good of others. It's always saying, how can I do better? To be better, to create better for the community. The entire point of chapter 13 is not some flowery description of what love is. It's not some abstract or or theoretical sense of understanding what love is. But it's a description of what love does. And how love impacts the community of faith and the body of Christ. How love impacts the brothers and sisters of this world as we seek to live love. The last description of love is that it does not end. It literally does not fail. And we see this at the end of the chapter as well when we hear that faith, hope, and love remain these three and the greatest of these is love. We hear this list of all those things that we've strived for, for the ability to do, will fall, will fail. But love never fails. And so... We find ourselves looking at love, drawn to that love, being remade by that love so that we can become lovers of God's creation. Because love never fails, love is eternal. Love goes on and on. Love never ends. But who can love so selflessly as we hear in this text? I think sometimes we find ourselves, as maybe as an escape, 
trying to claim this as a description of God's own agape love. Proclaiming, we don't have to do this, but this is what it looks like. This is what God's love looks like for us. We're not called to be this, but that is... But we and we find ourselves. This is just some unattainable aspiration, and while that may be true, it's not a sufficient answer. Because I think Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, and I think Jesus Christ, in his teachings, is calling us to say, "This is exactly what we're called to live out as the church, as the body of Christ. This is the whole purpose of this chapter." And this is honestly, as we celebrate All Saints Sunday, the purpose of All Saints, is it not? That as we remember the love that we are called to live and share, we come and we gather together remembering that love remains, and we come remembering the love that was shared by these saints, and how it remains in our hearts, it has shaped us, it has lived on through us. And through the people impacted by these saints. Because they chose to live love. And and as they were empowered by and lived into the love of Christ, they shared this love with so many. And we come gathering here today because of the saints that have gone before us. We all have saints in our lives that we could share stories of how their love, how they shared the love of Christ, and how it impacted and changed us, made us who we are today. So my challenge for us as the body of Christ, the body of believers, those people impacted by the love of Christ, and those people who have felt the love of the saints, is that we go and do the same. That we go and live out love. That we go and we live a love that is an action verb. We live in a way that is so deeply rooted in the love of God and sharing the love of God with God's creation that when our time comes, that we may have left a legacy of love. Because this is the call of the church. This is the call of God. This is the call of the disciples. To share the love of Christ with a world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel it. We find ourselves going around proclaiming what's right and what's wrong. And maybe we need to start with the old adage. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So my desire for our church is that we may become a church that leaves a legacy of love, of hope, of joy, of faith. But remember, faith, hope, and love remain, these three. But the greatest of these is love.
Let's go seeking to leave a legacy of love. Amen and amen.